this is Mastering Menopause. By using fitness, nutrition, lifestyle, and mindset, you can master your hormones and get your body back. I'm Kathy Cote with Catalyst Fitness and Nutrition. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Mastering Menopause. Today, I have a special guest, Amy Vetters, who is a friend from a mentorship that we do together in IFCA, helping fitness entrepreneurs have the greatest impact. Amy is an IFBB bikini pro and the owner of Alinea Coaching. They focus on health and wellness professionals, 35 plus, and also contest prep of all divisions. She's also the owner of Nova Tans, a tanning salon in Northern Colorado, located in Windsor, Colorado. Thank you so much for being here today, Amy. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. So I... I am really excited to talk to you today about what it takes to be a bodybuilding competitor, right? I want to take a deep dive into that and, you know, the sacrifice and the hard work. We see the results on your show day, right? That's like the, uh, oh, wow, she looks great. But I don't think that most women understand exactly what it takes to get there and the mental fortitude and determination that it takes to, to be a competitor, but never mind getting your IFBB pro card. So I know I just covered a ton there, <laughs> but let's just start with like, what, what got you interested in bodybuilding in the first place? I've always been fascinated with muscle. I've always been attracted to it. I've always been drawn to it, you know, from an early age and I've always been athletic. So I have just always kind of drawn myself to being able to build that muscle. And there were many years, you know, like, I think I started being fascinated with muscle when I was like six or seven years old. And I was always the girl that wanted to like kick all the boys, butt in the neighborhood, like outrun them, do more pull-ups than them, just whatever kids do. But then, you know, I was a gymnast and a cheerleader from like seventh grade, all the way up through college. And then I stopped cold turkey for probably 13 years because, you know, you're supposed to put your head down and do the whole nine to five and climb the corporate ladder or so we're told. And then I kind of lost myself for a while in those 13 years. And then I refound myself and I started to get right back into it because I know that when I'm in alignment, it's with my, when I'm being athletic and taking care of my body. And so I just kind of went full all in in on this journey, probably about 2016 or 2017. And I just have never looked back since. Excellent. So I, I, I've always kind of looked at, but I've always admired, you know, the, the, the bodybuilding aspect, all, all of them and, you know, the men and and just the, the, the determination that takes and all the hard work that it takes to, to get that physique but maybe you can give us like a little like insight into what does what does the day in the life look like, right? I know there's different stages. So, you know, if you could walk us through the stages, like leading up to, how, you know, that that moment, that one, that one <laughs> day or that one weekend in like however long, right, where, where you're showing off those results. Yeah. Well, and I think for me, when I first started this journey, I really didn't quite know or understand at the time, like what I was getting into. I just knew that I wanted to look like one of those girls on stage and it wasn't about being on stage. I just wanted that physique. And at the, at the beginning of it, I didn't understand what it would take to get there. And, but I, I did my first show and I did well at it and you just kind of learn over time how to improve. But I think in the beginning, I just thought, oh, I'll just have to do a few things in a few months and poof, I'll be on stage. Yeah. You know, and I did okay. Cause I do have an athletic physique, but after my first show, you know, then I really started to start understanding really what it truly takes if I wanted to go to the next level. I think in the beginning, I just thought, oh, I wanted to do it once. But then once I was on that stage and I went through the process, I was like, yeah, no, this is where I'm supposed to be in life. So then when you start taking it more seriously and you start tapping in, what most bodybuilders would tell you is that they're one of the hardest working persons in most any room. And I say that from a time management perspective, like you've got to be incredibly diligent. Like you use the word sacrificing, you know, like there are many, many sacrifices, 
But if you always look at it like that, then you might always feel like you're missing out on a lot of other things. So if you kind of shift your perspective and to think this is a lifestyle by choice. And so what might seem like a sacrifice in the beginning, because you have to get used to changes, yeah. might later seem like this is just what I eat, sleep and breathe. So what that really looks like when you make that choice to be like, I'm all in, this is my lifestyle. This is many years in the making going forward here. You know, there's a, there's an off season and then there's your prep season. That's your prep journey, however many weeks or months leading up to that one day on stage. So the off season is where your physique, your package that you present on stage is really conditioned and developed, you know, is, is grown. So without those off seasons, having just a prep leading up to show, you're going to just kind of be so-so and you know, maybe try your luck and you might do okay. But if you want to go next level, you've got to just be dedicated in the off season and on the contest prep journey side of things. So for most individuals that I coach anyway, will run anywhere between 12 and 16 weeks of a prep. The prep is when we start leaning down, we start depleting, maybe our food comes down and our cardio goes up, our output is higher than our input from a caloric standpoint for many, many weeks. And, you know, you run on empty quite a bit leading up to show day, but that's to strip away a lot of the say body fat that otherwise outside of that one day is really healthy to have on your body up to a certain percentage but you're really trying to push limits and get it really, really, really low so that you can show the muscular physique and all of the hard work that you've been building. That's really what the sport is about, is unveiling all of the hard work. But the journey, the off-season journey, is where you're eating at a caloric surplus more often than not in order to build muscle mass in order to create density, in order to create those lines, you know, the separation between, you know, your quad and your hamstring or like from your shoulders down to your biceps, things like that. So the off season is where you're eating at a caloric surplus, but you're also training between five and six days a week for most bodybuilders. But once you have say six plus months a year, however long the person wants to grow and develop, working with a coach can help you decide like, okay, you're going to only need six months to get what the judges are looking for. Or maybe you need a year or two years to really, you know, make a dent in like being in the top or placing high enough to just win the whole show. So each individual is different and where they want to go is different, but you have to have that off season and you have to have the contest prep phase on prep between 12 and 18. You know, 16, maybe even 18 weeks for some people leading up to show of depletion to get there and to unveil all of that. But that one day on yeah. show, which everyone looks amazing, they don't always feel the best. The show day rush is awesome, but like your energy is tanked, your nutrients are low. So that look is not really sustainable, not even in the short term, just for, you know, a little, a little window of time. And then right. you got to come back up to a healthier state of being with to protect your hormones, you know, with your calories coming up to just be at a health. So hopefully that helps a little bit, but there's an yeah. off season and then there's the prep leading up to show day. So on your, on your, you know, on, on your, the, 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 the bulking part, do you call that a bulk? <laughs> you can. Yeah. Depending on the person. Like for me, I, there's only a few muscle groups that right now I need to focus on growing the rest I need to maintain, but there are some bodybuilders, females and or males depending on where they're at in their journey to get the certain look that the judges are after might need to actually bulk. Okay. And how many, so five to six days a week, you said of training yep. in the period and how long are those workouts? Doing a hypertrophy based training program, primarily focused on lifting weights and focusing on different forms of progressive overload. I would say on a leg day, it can take me an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes to get through it. If I'm mm -hmm. going through it with proper, proper rest periods between sets, and if I'm really paying attention to the, the tempo and the pace in which I'm lifting and truly being intentional, not just like rushing right through it. So I'm not really getting the benefit out of what I'm 
there to do, but on an upper body day, you know, 45 minutes to an hour, cause that can just go a little bit faster. But so at least like three days a week, cause for me, I'll do legs three days a week. And so there I'm, I'm probably there a good hour and a half. That doesn't include the warm up. That doesn't include the wind down, but just, just straight lifting for about an hour and a half. Right. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that sounds intense. I know I used to be able to do that. No problem. Right. Lifting like for an hour and a half. And now I'm just like, Ooh, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. Five, I'm like, yeah, it's a lot, but you know, that's, that's what it takes. And so I'm, I'm glad that you answered that. And as far as like a surplus, I mean, I guess that would really depend on goals, but you're definitely like, like how big of a surplus over maintenance or is that's going to be individual, correct? Sure. Well, maybe to put it into perspective or for, for some context, I'm a small human. I'm four foot 10 inches tall. I'm not very big, but I would say I usually walk around more days than not anywhere between 105 and 108 pounds on average in say my off season, when I'm not trying to bulk, I'm just trying to fall into more of a maintenance mode, but maybe only grow a couple of muscle focus groups. And in those times, I usually will intake around, you know, maybe 1900 to 2200 calories a day split between five or six meals in a day. When I say meals, it's like a breakfast, lunch, dinner with a couple snacks and a post-workout meal. But a couple of years ago, when I was purposefully in a true bulk, a, a caloric surplus, I wanted to put on some size. I mean, for, for me, pushing up to about 122, 123 pounds was pretty, it was a lot for my size. I've never carried that much size on me before. But in those times, I was seated around 24 to 2,500 calories a day. And for being so small, you know, that's, that's a lot, but I also have a fast acting metabolism. So knowing the person, like how the rate at which they digest food and the way that their metabolism works, is it a slow digestion process? Is it fast or is their metabolism sluggish or is it fast acting? You know, like I can, I can put some food down. So now I'm not, I'm only trying to, like I said, only grow a couple of muscle groups. So anywhere between 18 and 1900 or so is kind of like my current sweet spot that could change. It just depends on how I do in this growth phase. How often do you assess? So my husband is my coach. And yeah. so he and I will assess, you know, like what my muscle mass, my lean muscle mass is via like an in-body scan along with my body fat percentage. Cause we want to make sure that we keep my body fat at a certain number or within a small little range. Cause that way, when I do start prep, I don't have to work as hard to get the fat that I want to off my body to expose the muscular physique. But we want to make sure that my muscle mass is steadily growing and then keep my fat mass around the same until it's time to start a prep. So we're constantly, I would say every maybe five, six weeks or so, because it takes your body time to get used to changes and like your diet. If you're adjusting calories up or down or your, your ratios between carbs, fats, proteins, things like that. So it takes a little bit of time for your body to adjust. And then your energy to really adjust into that too. So once you've been working with someone long enough, you get to know how their body responds quickly, shortly. Do they bloat? Do they inflame? Do they come up before they come down? Most people do if they're going up with their food, but you just get to know your body better than you ever thought you would. And then you make the adjustments based on a look that the judges are looking for and based on where you're at now and what you know of your client after working with them for X amount of time, that this is how long it takes when we run these numbers to get this look. But yeah. jumping into it blindfolded, you may not know right away. So you just have to start working with a coach over time for them to get to know that of you. Yeah. If you're enjoying this podcast, I'm wondering if I could ask you a small favor and leave me a review on this podcast. This is going to help me get the word out to more women just like you, and I would appreciate that so much. Thank you. How, how long did it take for you to, to get your pro card? So I started training, I think it was 2016, and I did my first show, I think 2017 or 2018. So what I have done is do one or two shows a year. And then I skip a year and a half or two before I compete again. I haven't planned it that way. It's just kind of fallen that way. 
But so that's given me about a year and a half or so of growth before I start a prep for my next show. And that can be significant growth changes to the physique in that time. So I've only done, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. I've only done seven shows and I turned pro on my sixth, but that took me from about 2017 or 2016 when I started training, but from my first show in 2017 to the end of 2022 to accomplish, it's not an overnight thing for sure. So there aren't many people that will maybe turn pro quickly. It can take many people, many, many years, but then there's some that can just, they just have it. They've been training long enough before they jump into this and start a prep for their first show that they're just, they're just ready. And then they can move through the circuit pretty quick, you know, just depends. Yeah. I mean, how much of it has to do with genetics, you know, genetics are a huge factor and then perceived level of exertion and time, you know, like for example, Let's say you and I were on a treadmill, the same treadmill, and maybe you're going at a 3.0 speed with no incline, and maybe I'm going 4.0 speed at like 8% incline. I'm going to burn more calories than you might, even though our stats are different, our height, our weight, our age, we burn at a different rate, but I'm working harder within that same amount of time than you might be just in that example. Mm-hmm. So if I give the same training program that I use to another person, how they maneuver through it and what their work ethic is like, maybe they lift 20 pounds over here and I'm pulling, you know, a hundred plus it might, I might expedite through that process to pack on some valuable size faster than maybe another person. So it really kind of depends on the work ethic and it depends on, you know, the consistency. Cause I think consistency is hard for a lot of people. And, you know, at the beginning, you mentioned, you know, like the sacrifices, sometimes that is like sacrificing a social life, you know, events and family things or friend things. And sometimes that's, that's maybe hard, but I don't view the food and eating, you know, strictly as hard because I know it makes me feel good too. Like I'm putting good in my body and my mind runs well and I'm clear, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It just perception, I think goes a long way. Yeah, absolutely. And you said, you know, putting in the effort, right? That perceived effort. And it's just funny, right? And it's not funny, but when when women say, I don't want to get bulky, I'm like, I've been trying to get bulky for years, you know? It's like, you're not, you ain't cutting it, sis, on your three days a week, we're lifting 20 pounds, you know? Right, right. (laughs) Well, and it's not like we're going to just walk by a dumbbell or some machine or do a few curls or something, and then poof, there's a big muscle. (laughs) It takes a very long time to put on some mass. And I don't think people truly maybe understand that, like, if you're a beginner or an intermediate, you know, you might put on a few pounds of muscle in your first year. I'm talking a few, like on one hand, less than five fingers, maybe Mm -hmm. we're right at five, five pounds of muscle in the first year of you starting to train. That's pretty darn good. But then after that, you know, the rate of growing muscle is, is a lot different. You know, it it can take you just a lot longer to, to realize the growth. So bulky just from lifting would take a lot of effort for many years and a lot of like heavyweight. And so I think that's like a thing that people have picked up along the way somewhere that really isn't true, you know? It's almost like an insult. Like, oh God, I don't want to look like that. I'm like, girl. All right. All right. I pack <laughs> the muscle on. Thanks <laughs> to get there. I mean, it's it's hard. Lifting is not an easy thing. It's very therapeutic for some people. I think it's therapeutic, but it's also like challenging. And so some people, most people, don't want to feel challenged or out of their little comfort box. And mm-hmm. so, ooh, ooh, I have to lift more than that. Like, oh, I'm busting a sweat now where it burns. And most people will kind of stop or pump the brakes right when it's uncomfortable. But really, if they could push through that, A, they're going to burn more calories. So even if somebody's in it to like lose some weight, burning calories through a hypertrophy based like lifting program is 
incredibly phenomenal to be able to lose weight and it's protective of your body say in the long term because if you can have some muscle on your frame you're stronger and then you'll have a little bit more longevity from which to move from you're not just going to be refined to like a being a sedentary human you're going to be able to move better if you constantly are moving your body and you know if you have a little bit more muscle on your frame or just some muscle on your frame that can help with your overall health and wellness and longevity in general. Absolutely. Yeah. What, so from the, from your, like when you did your first competition to, to where you are now and where, what you're, where you're aspiring to be, what, I know the judges give you some feedback. And mm-hmm. so what, what has had to change? Have, has your, did you have to put on more muscle? Were they looking at certain body parts? Like what, what did that look like for you? Yeah. Well, in my last run of shows, cause I did three shows back to back, which is a lot within a month's time at the end of 2022, I went, cause it had been two years before I had competed previously at that time. So I had to start over at the local level. And then on the local level, I placed high enough to be able to earn my national qualifications. So then I went to nationals and then I, you're competing at nationals to earn your pro card. And then I won my pro card. And then I went to do a pro show just a couple of weeks later. And the, it was funny because at the local level, the judge, the head judge told me, you're too big for bikini, meaning I'm too muscular for bikini. And maybe I should consider figure. And I said, no, I'm bikini. And at the national level, they like a harder look, meaning a little bit more mature muscle on them. So they're like, the physique looks great, maybe just a little bit too big, but the physique is there. The presentation and the posing and all of that on stage day is there. So I won at the local level, but then I went on to nationals where they do like a harder look, especially in the master's division, which is like ages 35 and up. And that's where I won my pro card. And I knew that I just had to get past that local level to do very well at the national level, which I did. But at the local level, or I'm sorry, at the national level, when I run my pro card, the feedback there was to keep bringing up my glute density. So I needed more fullness, more 3D look of my glute muscles and to bring up my hamstrings just a touch. Other than that, everything else is good. So there's like two muscle groups that I need to focus on, but your glutes have several different muscles with in the glute, you know? So then when I did my pro card or my, my pro show, the judges there said, I need to, my glute, my glutes were overpowering. So I'm getting different feedback from different levels of, you know, from the local national to, um, the pro, the pro level. So It's very subjective and it's all about who is judging that particular show. There's usually a panel of five judges at these competitions and the head judge is the one that will typically issue your feedback. And you could have a different judge the next day at a different show and they might say something completely different, even though there's a very specific look that you're trying to build for the, for the stage, you know, they might view it in a different way, but it's also who all shows up. You don't know who's showing up on stage until you get there that day. So if your glutes look overpowering compared to the rest that showed up, sure, that could be the feedback. But if you showed up on stage with different people and maybe they would give you different feedback based on who shows up. So it's hard, which is why I think I love it because (laughs) it's always something to work better, you know, work harder for to improve. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, you don't, you know, you, it's, it's almost like, like you said, subjective. So how do you, how do you win? You know? right, <laughs> right. You just don't know, like, what is that going to be? What about show day? So this takes, I know like, so, so you do the grind, maybe talk us through the grind and then, and bring us to like, what does that take show day, which is like three days. Right. I mean, I know it's not, but there's a lot right. that goes on there. Right. So. so let's say you were in a surplus and you've been growing for months and it's time to start your prep. And maybe you're the someone that needs 16 weeks to prep, to lean down, to get lean enough for show day. So at the start of that 16 week prep phase, then what will happen is your food will probably come down. And when I say food, you know, most coaches are going to make sure and look out for, especially when it comes, I mean, for all humans, but especially for females, making sure that their fat doesn't 
go too low. And that's one of the things that you start pulling later on in the game. You want to maybe bring down your carbs and some of your proteins a little bit first. So you're, you're starting to come down every week or every couple of weeks, lower and lower. So, and then your cardio starts to ramp up, you know, while you're still training five or six times a week, you might have one, maybe two sessions of cardio a day. And what could start out for me is like 25 minutes a day in the morning throughout the course of say a 16 week prep ends up being maybe 45 minutes in the morning and 45 minutes in the evening on top of your lift, on top of your normal day-to-day business family things. So that can be almost three, four hours in the gym. It's kind of like a part-time job, but as your cardio ramps up and your food is coming down, your body fat is stripping away and you're starting to unveil all of the muscle and all of your lines. And so for me, I think I started my last prep around 2,300 calories a day. That's what I was eating. And then by the end of it, you know, I was a little under a thousand a day. And so for me, compared to maybe an an average height human, that would be a huge difference. You know, everybody's a little bit different. So somebody who's maybe five foot seven, you know, low for them could be like 15, 16, 1700 calories in a day because their calories when they started were probably much higher than mine were, you know, so it's about the person too. But for me, I went from about 23, 2400 down to a little under a thousand calories in a day. And you still eat every two and a half to three hours, but you're just not getting as much as you were when you were in that surplus. And so your energy starts to tank, right? And it's why a lot of people are like, hey, I want to look like a bodybuilder. It takes years to look like a bodybuilder. And then I don't think most people realize the process leading up to getting that lean on show day and the fact that it's just not sustainable because your body needs healthy, sustainable fat on your body for its organs. And then just overall for your, your good hormone health, you know, yeah. and for our menstrual cycles and things like that. So the, the process is rigorous and it's intense because you can't miss, you can't miss a cardio session. You can't miss a lift session. You have to get your food in. And what's hard about food is when you're getting extra hungry because your nutrients are being stripped away, you crave everything. You right. could look at a commercial and when Wendy's is on there or something and you never really like Wendy's, Wendy's is looking really good and you can almost smell it and taste it. And then you might actually drool. Food is the hardest thing. It's because you're so hungry and then you're limited on what you can have, like sauces and condiments at some point are stripped away. Your energy drinks are stripped away. It's really just water and basic foods without a lot of extra things. You know what I mean? And you're eating the same thing every single day for months and months. If you fluctuate any, it might be like, okay, instead of 93% turkey, maybe have 93% ground beef, but it's not like there's this wide swing. So food is the hardest part for me anyway, because when you're on prep and your nutrients are coming down, you're being depleted, you feel so hungry and literally everything, even if it wouldn't have bothered you before, is like, I want that. And then you can't stop thinking about it. You can't stop thinking about it. So I have to actively like shift my brain and go be active and do something. Otherwise it will drive me crazy until I can eat it. And then when you can't, you just feel like you're fiending for it. Food is the hardest part for me. Being consistent and being structured is easy for me, but that's also very hard for a lot of people because a lot of people be like, oh, I don't feel like it today. I'm sore. I'm tired. It doesn't matter if you're sore or tired or fucking starving, you get your ass up and you go and you go do it. Because if you want it that much and you want to win, you've got to be the hardest working person in the room. And you've got to show up not out of feeling, but out of discipline. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people lack the ability to be consistent and disciplined across the board, no matter the feeling. Yeah. Very well said. When does it become a grind? Like when, when does it become really hard? For me, it start this last series of shows, it started to feel incredibly challenging and hard about about six weeks out. And then as I went closer into show day, harder and harder and harder. As you get hungrier, your muscles are sore, they are tight because they can't recover as well without adequate nutrients. And you're depleting on purpose. You know, so when you feel more sore or stiff or tired. 
uh, just fatigue, you know, you're going almost three and a half hours a day and you just can't miss except for that one, maybe two days of rest. But for me, I had one day of rest a week. So being sore and being tired and still having to run both of my businesses, you know, and make time for other people in my life, like that spread me thin. So you emotionally and mentally get drained too. And there is such a thing as prep brain. Like when your food starts to come down and you're depleting and you don't have adequate nutrients a day, you kind of go a little bit delirious. Like there were moments where I'd put my coffee cup, full of my, my mug full of coffee inside a cabinet, thinking it was the microwave. And then like a day later being like, where did I put my cup of coffee? And it's in the cabinet, not in the microwave. And that was like a day ago. And I just found it. So it'd be right. like random things like that here or there that because you're just kind of absent-minded a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's why it's good to have coach because when you get there, it's really hard to push yourself further. You know what I mean? Because then you're like, I just, I feel like I want to just nap and lay down. Yeah. So you have to kind of push past those uncomfortable limits a lot of times. That takes a grit. Like a lot of people just don't have that. <laughs> and then I remember hours on the, the Stairmaster and I I don't like running, so I'm not running anywhere. And that would burn off my muscle tissue if I did. But Stairmaster, I think I hate that equally as much as I hate running. And it's hard and you're just like up, down, and you're pushing and you're digging and you just feel like you have sandbags as legs Mm -hmm. when you're just so tired, you know, or at least I did. And so I was like, I can't do this. Like I have no stamina left to give and my legs feel heavy. And I just, I have like 30 more minutes. My minutes would go like 30 more minutes. Okay. That's three sets of 10 minutes. Okay. That's yeah. like five times of five or like my, my brain would be like, how can I make this seem shorter somehow? Yeah. And so you have to find a way to like move past that. And that's incredibly challenging because I call that like entering the next room, because if you can get past that shit, And then you enter the next room of like, you go into champion mode and be like, F it. I am not sore. I am not hungry. I am not tired. I am on effing fire and I'm doing this damn thing. I'm going to win this show and I'm going to win the next one. If you can get there, even when you feel incredibly drained and done and move past it and then tell your brain to flip, that's entering the next room. And that's where that magic happens. And you have to enter that room or that space mentally to be able to like push through it all. Cause it's not easy. That's why not everybody can do this. Right. Absolutely. Or would try to do this. I think that highlights to the importance of that, of the off season, right? If you're like, you have to have that base, but even maybe just a little bit more, if you're, if you're going to, cause you're going to deplete that muscle. We're trying to hold on to as much as possible, but you're going right. to lose muscle in that. Right. You can lose a little bit. And that's the beauty of, I, I have my clients get in body scans so I can monitor their muscle mass and their body fat mass in the process. I usually have them get it once they're in the thick of prep, probably like every four weeks, but otherwise, yeah, every six weeks, eight weeks or so, depending on just to make sure. And it's no, you just know that you might dip a little bit, but then as soon as you return post-show, you know, through your reverse and you get back to normal, you're going to put that back on. But I really like to monitor that so that we don't lose out on that, that muscle that we've been working so hard to build in the off season. And how would you prevent that? I mean, I don't have my clients run because that burns off tissue faster. So, and I try to keep their protein high. It's a protein forward intake more often than not. It's, I will pull the carbs first. And then I will dip into a little bit of the fats and the proteins along the way, but I try to keep their protein high because you need adequate protein, which are some of the building blocks of building muscle. Yeah. I, and I always say for my clients, like at least like we want to be around a, a gram per pound. Mm-hmm. What, how is that different for, do you do more? Or, or someone who really wants to pack on some muscle mass, if, say from a day-to-day per you know, lifestyle person, a gram of protein per pound of body weight is good and it's healthy. But if you want to build some mass, some muscle mass, you need to go above that. So for me, I know that there's also a limit that my stomach can handle, 
I might just be like, this is too much protein, you know, and then I start having digestion issues. But for me, even though say 108 ish is what I weigh. So 108 grams of protein a day is maybe what by that rule of thumb I should eat to build mass. I usually am up around say 160 or so of protein, 160 grams or so protein a day for say some of my male clients that I work with, you know, someone who's maybe like six foot tall and maybe is a lean person, but you know, wants to put on some size, you know, someone that white weigh like 180, 190, I will give them almost 300 grams of protein in a day. So long as their digestion can handle it and break it down adequately to put on some size. That's insane. (laughs) Yeah. It just depends on who the person is, you know, so (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I mean, you just get to know those things by working with your client longer and what they can tolerate and how their body responds, you know, but also taking into consideration how they perform when they're in the gym, because 10 people can go into the gym and probably every single one is going to perform differently. But if you can get someone to perform consistently at a certain level and then you feed them accordingly, their body's going to respond and they have to be consistent. Right. But being consistent and saying no to all the things that you would rather eat and keep going when you're really drained and really tired and you just don't feel like it, you have to. Yeah, you have to want it. Yeah, you have to want it pretty bad. So what does show day look like? How far out is that? I mean, I know we're you're doing the prep, but you know, what does what does that look like? Is that so, is it to- well, so show day is literally just the day that you're on show is usually one day, unless you're at a national show that's like a two-day show. They have you on for like pre-judging one day and then finals is the next. Then then it could be two days, but more often than not, it's a one-day thing. So the day before show, you're arriving to your show location and then you're you're checking in you know saying hey i'm physically here you get your number that you're going to pin on you you get your base tan and then you got to go sleep in it and then usually your coach will stage load you if they haven't already earlier in the week because like if you have someone who is slow to digest because as your nutrients start to taper off that close to show you might digest slower than you would otherwise so by then your coach should know how your body responds So they have either stage loaded you throughout a series of days during peak week, the week before show, or just a day or two before show, or sometimes depending on the person, the day before show. So for me, if I stage load the day before, I know I'm going to come in very, very, very full and maybe too full for my division. And I could like be too big for my division, depending on how I stage load, meaning how much calories I consume and what type of calories I consume. So For me, I typically will be stage loaded like two or three days before show and just extra little bites or nibbles of some extra protein here and there and some fat. I am a person that really thrives off of high fat. So outside of prep, I usually will be mid 60s in grams a day. Most females run best around say 53 to 55 or six grams of fat in a day. I usually run higher. That's how my body operates best. So like leading up to show some peanut butter and some like, I'll mix it in some turkey or beef. And I know that sounds crazy, but when you're on prep, it don't matter. Right. (laughs) You put that in there and it tastes like candy. So for me, it's protein and a little bit of peanut butter a couple days before show, or maybe just a little extra taste before I get on stage. But I need my stomach to be empty and I almost need my muscles to fall flat versus full because I can be a little bit too muscular and too hard looking if I have too much food and then I can't control my core when I'm posing as well, if it's full of food. Mm-hmm. So the stage load is something that you learn prior to, you should be experiencing with your coach prior to even entering peak week, like on prep, as you go, you should do some test runs. Like if I give you this mood, much food, how do you look an hour to two hours later, you know, to practice knowing what your competitor is going to get on stage with so that they don't blow out and bloat through the middle of their stomach. And then they, the look is gone. Yeah. I, that's, that's fascinating to me. Like I always wondered how that, how that went. Yeah. There's a lot of science behind it. uh, Yeah. Um, base tan and then you do another tan. 
So the day before show, when you check in, you get your base tan. For some divisions, you have to weigh in. My division, I don't require a certain weight. It's more of a look. But there are some divisions like you have to make weight. And if you don't, then you got to go do some cardio or bump up to or down to another division. So luckily, I don't need to do that with my division. Um, But you go in, you check in, get your number. They say, okay, this competitor's arrived. Go get your base tan. We'll see you in the morning. And in the morning on show day, you wake up usually super early and you get your hair done and your makeup done. And then you get your top coat of tan done. And then right before you get on stage, you get like a shiny coat, your glaze. So you're kind of like a donut. You're just going to be glazed up so that when the bright lights hit you on stage, you have a little bit of shimmer. But the tan is really, really dark. It's not like you go to my tanning salon and get a spray tan for the average day person. It's really dark because when you're on stage and those bright lights hit your skin, they would wash out your lines because you'd be so would be so bright. So when that tan hits the lights or the lights hit the tan, you can see all of your muscle definition. You know what I mean? It just highlights it on stage. And so the posing, I mean, you've practiced your posing throughout this whole process too, well before peak week, like months and months of practicing. And so then you get up there and then you do your posing, your comparisons or your routine as the judges call things out. And they're literally comparing your body to the next body, to the next body, to the next body, and trying to pick which embodies the look the best based on whoever is winning that division at the top at the Olympia level, which is where I want to go in the next couple of years. That's amazing. I do want to get into your aspirations. So please remind me of that. Like okay. what's next for you? But as far as like posing and like, this is not a cheap sport, right? Cause you have, to have a coach for, I'm assuming you're going to have a coach for that. And then the shoes and then the, and then the, the, the suit and everything. Right. And the yeah. jewelry and having the whole look and package and the music, do you do a routine or is this just strictly posing? So posing is kind of like a way of saying you do individuals, which are certain poses, but alongside all of the other girls on stage in your class, your division. And then they'll say front, back, front, back, if you're a bikini. Other divisions, it's like quarter turns. So you can see different sides of their body, but you're comparing her glutes to her glutes to her glutes, her front to her front to her front. And then that's comparisons when you're all on side, you know, on the same stage turning and you can view everyone at once. But then your posing routine is where you do like your mandatory poses and add your own little flair in between and your transitions from this pose to that pose on stage. And that's where they can kind of see your personality and how you move and how your lines are, because how we move, how we take a step and how we angle our body, even if it's just the littlest of angle, will show this line or that line. And so Mm -hmm. it's about accentuating through how you're holding your body towards the judges to showcase the best of your lines. And if there's some that you want to cover up or some fullness or some, something that's lacking, you try to hide that on stage through how you pose. So like there's posing routine and then there's your posing comparisons, but you're practicing this, practicing this. If you're a serious competitor, you practice this all the time, not just on prep or a few weeks before show. But to your point about it's not a cheap sport. No, because you have to pay the cost of your coach and all coaches have different rates, but you have your cost of your coach. You have probably a higher grocery bill than you'll ever have outside of, you know, this <laughs> journey. And then you'll have day of hair. You'll have day of makeup. You'll have day before and day of tan. You'll have your suit. You'll have your heels. You'll have your jewelry. You'll have your stage robe. You'll have, if you're traveling outside of the state that you live in or something, you'll have flights and hotel or transportation to and from, you'll have your gym membership. You'll have, I mean, if you include everything, you know, there's a lot in there. Do you have a coach too, or is that kind of like your specialty? Like, I mean, I, I am a posing coach and I feel pretty confident with it, but when I'm running a prep, um, I outsource. So my husband coaches me, but then I outsource like a posing coach so that I am not biased at all. And I'm not stuck in my own ways. I want to have I'm open, very open to learning different feedbacks and techniques other than I'm my own. But then that also helps make me a better posing coach along the way because then I'm learning from somebody above me, you know? Yeah. So, so yeah, when I get going, I'm, I'm outsourcing too. It's like, I don't write my own <laughs> workouts either. It's just like, yeah, no, <laughs> tell me what to do. Right. Cause yeah, my, given my, you know, Every coach needs a coach, you know, even with our mentorship, like we have our coaches for our businesses, you know, so every coach needs coach. 
Yeah. So what's next for Amy? So what's next for me currently just focused on getting back. I'm still kind of bouncing back from having pulled my Achilles tendon a couple months ago. It's good. It's just my calf muscle remains really tight because of a tight, you know, tendon still. So I'm still working on that. And as you know, the Achilles is pretty tender. So I'm working on rebuilding that to where I can, I'm back in the gym, I'm training. I just can't train as heavy as I am used to training. So I'm really focused on glutes and hamstrings and then just maintaining everything else. So I'm trying to maintain like my caloric intake so that I have enough of a surplus to grow specific muscles and maintain the rest through how I lift and then growing the businesses. But then, you know, I'm just going to build probably for a good year before I decide to run another prep. Cause I truly think this last prep was three, three shows back to back, which ended up being like 20 weeks of prep was just a long time yeah. and a long time to be that lean. And that does take its toll on your body. And as you get older, I'm about to be 44. So like the older you get, sometimes your body just needs more recovery. So I'm having a good mixture of building my glutes and my hams, building up the density and recovering as often as I can, but a really big focus on like stretching and rolling and release work and good, like blood flow circulation in my legs and things like that. And then, yeah, we'll, we'll do that for a good year. Do you have your sights on a show? I have a show in mind, but I'm like three months or so behind where I wanted to be to do that because of the Achilles pool. But I wanted to do a pro show that's in Denver, Colorado, which is like an hour from me because my husband is planning on doing his pro debut. He turned pro about five years ago and has never done his first pro show. So his pro debut is that show in June next year. And I wanted to be able to do that show with him because I thought, okay, how ridiculously amazing would it be to have Mm -hmm. the two of us, husband, wife, joint business owners, do a pro show together and maybe have a shot at winning the show in both our divisions. Because if you win, that's your ticket to go compete at the Olympia. Like how amazing would that be? So if I'll be able to do it or not, I don't know. We have to really work through some tightness and some soreness in the leg still to be able to like lift in the way that I need to over the next month or so. If I can't, then I might need to push it back. And if that's the case, as much as I would love for it to work out the other way, then maybe it's just Justin's time to like have his moment. You know what I mean? Which is fine too. But that initially earlier in the summer is kind of what we were thinking. Yeah. So you'll know in about a month or so. I'll know in the next couple of months if I feel like, you know, I might be putting on decent size or something by then. And if not, then I'll just have to push when I compete back. So, but I I also am one to be like very, I can look at my physique and listen to my body enough to say like, I'm ready or I'm not, you know what I mean? I can be objective enough to be like, I don't want to just get on stage and put my body through all of that just to get on stage. I don't think I'm ready. Cause I want to be able to bring my best up there. Yeah. So I'm not going to put myself through all of that unless I feel like I really have a solid shot. Yeah. I, I think that has a lot to do with the end goal, right? That end goal is that's, that's what's driving you, right? Not right. feel like, Oh, I just want to do another show just to do the show. Then that's just such a, right. <laughs> where right. you're like, no, I want to win this fucking thing. <laughs> That's it. Well, a lot of people, there are a lot of people out there that just get the high and the fun and the frills off of the day of competing. And I know what that's like. That's a lot. It's a blast. You feel amazing. You look amazing. That's a fun day. But if you really are serious about going to that next level and you're willing to do what it takes to bring up those muscle groups that you need to, to get there, which as we know, muscle takes time to build. You might have to have some extreme patience because if you can't and you're just up there just to compete, you're really not probably taking it serious enough to keep going to the next level. It's just, I just want to compete. So there just, there's a difference between a competitor yeah. and someone who just wants to stand on stage. Yeah. So if yeah. I need to wait a year, two years, then I will wait and keep growing so that when it's my time, like my body is ready and my mind's in the best spot for it too. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. <laughs> That's amazing. And I, I I was just really excited to have you on to kind of showcase like what does it take to get on that stage? And, you know, some people think it's it's kind of easy, you know, oh, you know, and, and not realizing like really all the work that goes mm-hmm. into it, you know, and what you have to, you know, you said you 
you don't sacrifice because it's like, that's just what you want, you know, mm-hmm. but I think for the, the regular person, right. It is right. going to take some sacrifice. If that's what yeah. you want to do, then you are going to have to absolutely shift to your lifestyle. To It is that. for me, it's a lifestyle, but even for someone who doesn't want to be a bodybuilder and compete being healthy is a lifestyle. And so for even the person out there that doesn't want to do what I do, but they want to be, they want to be fit and tone and healthy, you know, it's okay to have a couple of off plan meals in a week or something, you know, maybe not go crazy on the portion sizes, but like, for example, my husband and I, when I'm in my off season, we have pizza night damn near every Friday night and I'll eat like three or four slices. You know, I know I can eat that much because I also know I take care of my body better than maybe most, but if you're willing to be consistent and you're willing to be structured and operate not based on feeling, but just simply by doing the things that you know you should be doing that will help you look and feel your best. Because if we operate on feeling, it's only going to take us so far. I consider that like, oh, a scoot. I did something today because I felt like it. Yeah. Well, do you want to be a scooter or do you want to be like someone who's like, I'm fucking healthy, I'm fit, and I, this is the way I live my life? Yeah. It doesn't bother me to eat the same thing every day, you know, eat something different for every meal, but I do that every day. That's really challenging for most people. You know, they get the cookie or the pizza or they get the whatever, and then they kind of go off the rails because it tastes so good and, or I don't feel like doing cardio. So then they don't, or I went to the, I went to the gym just to check it off my checklist, but I didn't really challenge myself. Yeah. You mail it in. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's just, I think context is everything. If you think of yourself like, this is what I want of my body and of my health and how I look and feel. This is what I want out of my life and for my life and for myself. And then if you operate and make all of your choices and decisions with those in mind, then you will get there. But if you operate based on meh, feeling, don't feel like it, you're probably not. You're going to just kind of keep inching towards that something rather than obtaining it. Now with your, with your coaching, is that, does that have to be in person or can you coach somebody like out like online? I, everything that we do is virtual. It's online. So we have clients all over the U S I don't do any in-person training just because we have so many (laughs) clients that it would be difficult to go see them all. And they're all scattered throughout the U S you know, posing, we do teach posing class locally. So for those that are local, they can come and meet us in person and pose with us in person, but otherwise I can pose online too. And then our tanning salon is local. So, you know, that has to be like in person. Right. So yeah, I will definitely link all that information. If you are thinking about being a competitor, then definitely take a look at, at Amy. If you want, if your husband wants to be a competitor, then then check out Justin. There you go. <laughs> so, where can where can everybody find you? So we're only on Instagram and Facebook. So on Facebook, it's Amy Betters. And then on Instagram, it's it's Amers, A-M-E-R-S underscore Lil Dino. So it's L-I-L-D-Y-N-O. Yeah, I love that. All right, perfect. I'm going to put all that all, all that into the show notes and so you can contact Amy there. And thank you so much for coming on. I hope that people got like a little glimpse behind, you know, the behind the scenes look at what that looks like to be a, a, a competitor, especially at your level, right? And getting that pro card. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me.